We've always believed in something called progress. It's time to get lit. What kind of lit? Health lit. That's what I'm talking about. It's time to get educated about health conditions affecting our community. Your health is very important. Check in with experts on important topics like breast cancer, diabetes, prematurity, and much more. This show is lit. No one should know you better than you. So lock in. Welcome to Your Health is Lit. Hi guys, welcome to another Your Health is Lit podcast. My name is Sharla, aka the PDNP. My name is Donna, aka the Public Health Queen. And this is Tiffany Flowers, aka the Mental Health Passionist. We always gotta let you go last because there's so much energy that comes through. Because <laughs> you have passion, too. right? Um, we are so excited to have another week of our podcast with you guys. It is the end of November. We hope everybody had a great and healthy and blessed Thanksgiving holiday. I know I ate greens, beans, potatoes. Tomatoes. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> you name it. You name it. Um, it was awesome. I had a really good um, holiday. Wasn't able to go back home with my family, but my boss had me over, and so I got to spend some time with my work family, which was super dope. Tiffany, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Um, I had a theme Thanksgiving called Turkey and Pajamas, and so everyone came over in their pajamas. I'm here for that, because we be buying whole outfits to sit in people's living room. Mm-mm, you know, bring the pajamas. Um, I actually stepped out and made some soul food. Okay. Uh, so I made some greens. I seen okay. that plate you posted. It looks good. <laughs> you saw that picture, girl? I saw that picture yes, now. now. I snapped out. But just a reminder, I'm still maintaining my position as the person who brings the cups and the drinks. Okay. That's it. I'm okay. not replicating. So don't expect nothing from you at the barbecue. <laughs> no, no. But pop. I got okay. the pop and the punch. Okay. We can handle that. Mm-hmm. Donna, how was people get thirsty? They get perched. They need that perched. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Donna, what's your different Thanksgiving? I went home to Jacksonville to see my family, so that was great. Yeah, Got to see my twin sister and spend time with her and see my grandparents. And tell the rest um, of the story, Donna. What else you do this weekend for Thanksgiving? Oh, my boyfriend came home with me for the first time. <laughs> So I just want to go ahead and, you know, pat myself on the back for this beautiful relationship that I helped put together. Like, it's just so amazing. Like, every time I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm just going to go ahead and slip my request in there because I'm struggling. Okay. And, um, <laughs> if you did it once, you you need to go ahead and put out a note. <laughs> oh man. So I am so glad that everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Um, and we are about to hop into the show. Y'all know what it is. Lit news. We um find news stories and we talk about how they impact our community, our health, and Y'all know it'd be lit. So we are out here. I know that um, Tiffany has a very interesting story for us this week. So I'm going to let Tiffany go ahead. And what story do you have for us, Tiff? Oh, so I was reading this article. And it was talking about um, how we are lowering the standards 
too low for our kids? Like, are we reaching, are we being too soft on our children? So in this school down in Florida, um, there was no competitive cheerleading. Everybody knows how it is to try to compete. And it's like a good place to be, right? Like, I'm a cheerleader. It has status. Right. So one of the little girls didn't make it. So the mom made such a stink that the whole administration came together and said there is no qualifications to make the cheerleading squad. If trash. you want to, just show up at Thursday that's after trash. class at 4 o'clock. Yeah, I don't think that's right. That's trash. Yeah, and to make it worse, even the kids complained. Like, some were saying they went to the camp for some that over the summer so that they could make it for this next, you know, season. Mm. And now someone who did not go to camp, did not practice, did not do all these other things, they just get to get their uniform and look cute. And then I think it's going to, like, change the – on a couple different levels, it's, like, going to change the dynamic of the squad because nobody's going to like the little girl. <laughs> Like, right. you know, the mom, like, basically set her up to where nobody's like, you know, you're supposed to be on the squad. We mm-hmm. work for this. We train for this. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I also feel like, you know, I've heard of, um, like, the schools, instead of the traditional A, B, C, D, F, they're, like, giving one, twos, threes, and fours. Was that you, Tiffany, that told me that? That was me. They're yeah. giving they're, one, they're twos, threes, and fours. And... Um, I also, there was a viral post on Facebook not too long ago. The teacher had left a note on the board for the students saying that um, she had to resign or she had got fired because she refused to give them credit for work that they didn't turn in. So they had wanted this teacher to get 50%. Um, the lowest grade students can get would be a 50%, even if they didn't turn their work in. And she's like, wow. I'm gonna do Oh, yeah, I saw that when the teacher felt like they didn't do it, so they should get a zero. Why should I have to Absolutely. Do I'm, a, I'm a nursing instructor. And, honey, if you don't do it, you get a big, fat zero. Right. And even the school that I teach for, they're very um, – they are very lenient because – they will like it's like a 10% off the first day, 10% off the second. Like, my nursing school is like zero. You oh, you didn't turn it in on time. If you don't mm-hmm. have set up, it's a zero. Yeah, <laughs> but then it's like, what type of example is the mother setting for the daughter? Entitlement, so it's it almost like, yeah, like entitlement. Like, so, gr- so for the rest of your life, you're going to feel like everything should be handed for you. Mm-hmm. And so just think just about really it like, great people mm-hmm. failed. And because they failed, they became better. Like Michael Jordan. He didn't make the basketball team. You know what I'm saying? So right. because he didn't make the basketball team, he said he started training more. And then he made it the next year. So now you just get to walk on the court and be a basketball player. Yep. It just doesn't work that way. I think it's for the mindset of children now. Um, the fact that, you know, everybody has a sense of entitlement. And to me, that's garbage. Like, I can't imagine, like, you're ne- they're never going to learn how to persevere. Oh, hey, you didn't make the squad. Maybe you should try cheerleading camp. Maybe cheerleading yeah. isn't for you. How is it fair to the other girls who did put in the work and their parents prepared them for this and they put in that extra effort? Um, that's kind of like, it used to kind of make me mad a little bit when they used to curve the grades in school. One, I'm a nerd. Two, 
I used to study really hard. So when I get my A, don't just give people, you know, we're going to go on a curve because everybody else didn't do as well. Like, how would, excuse yeah. me? But I mean. But, and now we, we say the kids are entitled. Really, it's not the kids. It's the, it's parents. the parents. Yeah. And they're so obsessed with how they look. Right, because it sounds good for them, but when they go to work, oh my daughter's on a chilling squad. Uh-huh. Oh my, you know, they're so obsessed with their image that they are not setting their kids up for what it really takes. Because it's a lot of no's out here you're gonna get. It's gonna be a lot of times you step up, up and get knocked down. Yeah. You know, as Cardi BC, I got knocked down nine by get up ten. Okay, <laughs> okay, come through Cardi. Okay. Cardi with Cardi. Okay. See and my dad have an experience that. Yeah, my and it does it does start with the parents. The sense of entitlement starts with the parents because they feel like their kid is the best at every and all things. And they're not, y'all. I see all these kids in clinic like no. <laughs> um my dad, me and my dad had a conversation about how um my mom would pretty much, we could ask her for just about anything, and she would kind of go for it. To a certain extent, like, mom, can I? She'd be like, yeah, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But when my dad, my dad would be deployed a lot. So when he, but when he would be home, she'd be like, girl, go ask your dad. Like, I'm on break. <laughs> so uh-huh. like, and we would go ask my dad. He'd be like, nope. What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I know. But mom always says yes. <laughs> what is this? Right. Um, and we were talking about that the other day, and he was like, "Because y'all don't always get what y'all like." I, he's like, "It is to teach you that you don't always get what you want." Yep. Yeah. No. Life ain't fair. No, that exact. That's exactly what he said. And I said, "Dad, you're horrible." <laughs> <laughs> because y'all, some of this stuff is so petty. Like I'd be like, "Dad," he's like, "We go to the drive-through. What y'all want to eat?" I'm like, "A number one with cheese." You got number one with cheese money. So. <laughs> Daddy. That's daddy. Wait, wait, that what? No, daddy. You, That's asked me, daddy. you asked me what I wanted, sir. <laughs> I love my dad, y'all. But he's like, no, because you don't always get everything that you want in life. And yep. it was important for him to instill, like, for us not to be spoiled. Like, mm-hmm. nope. Me getting good grades. So my parents, at one point, we used to have this, like, this pay scale system for when you bring home your grades. Um, and like A was like, I can't remember. It was just too much money, but it came a point in time where my dad was like, we are done paying you for something you're supposed to be doing because I was taking six and seven classes and getting straight A's in the <laughs> run me my Give check. me my money. Run, run, run. My check. He was like, oh no, we done. Like, my mom was doing it. My dad came home and he was like, we doing what? I was like, dad, I get $140. He was like, no, you get a congratulation. <laughs> No, honey. Mm-mm. He said I was a bill. He wasn't no. <laughs> no. So you can't like, you know, in a way it showed that hard work paid off, but then also like my dad kind of counterchecking that and like, no, like this is what you're supposed to do. This is the standard. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. That's yeah. great. High five. Um, we can go get ice cream, but I'm not paying. Hi. I'm not paying you for your grace. No money for you. No, man. No. So 
That's crazy. I really think that we need to watch the way that we, I think a lot of us in our community, like we need to make sure that we're watching how we act in front of our kids. A lot of these kids that I see in clinic, they mimic their parents. So I had a mom come in the clinic the other day and she was just so disengaged. And literally while I am talking to her, you brought your baby here to see me because your baby had X, Y, and Z going on. I'm talking to her. She on her phone watching fight videos. I'm like, what? so how long has she been sick? Like, I'm trying to pull. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, ask her. She's four. Wow. And the video cussing, cutting up a little girl when watch. She's like, oh, God, mind your business. Ma'am, why are you in my office? Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you here today? So we just really need to watch how, you know, what and really how that you know hurts the child you know i remember you know i was down in denver colorado um studying and um this little girl i didn't meet her it wasn't even five minutes but her mom was on her phone you know just chatting away cursing doing all this stuff and i was just being attentive and like literally the little girl sat next to me on the bus and was like can you be my mom oh Oh, my god and it just crushed my heart i'm like i've been only talking to you for like two minutes and you already want me to be your mom you know yeah so we do have to set our the standards yeah. and also the emotional standards that you are worthy of you know support yeah um even if that of uh, the support even if you fail I, I won't be there emotionally for you if you fail mm-hmm. uh and that's okay and yeah. we're gonna get back up yeah you know? i think a better take for the mom instead of her daughter seeing like oh if i cut up enough i'll get what i want and that's mm-hmm. not that's not that's not the standard, man. The standard is like you tried your best. It wasn't good enough. Like and we're gonna and we're gonna push it. Like we're gonna okay, so next year, like so now let's find you a dance class. Let's find you let's enroll you in gymnastics and maybe next year you'll get on the team instead of showing your daughter like put in the work and get the reward because I feel like that would have been more gratifying for the girl. We lower the standard mm-hmm. for the team and I don't think that's fair. Yeah. So that's my story. All right. So my story, um, I think it's really interesting, is there are, um, there's a program in England where we were, um, they are teaching their elementary school age kids CPR. Um, hmm. As you know, that um, the American Heart Association, they estimate at least 100 to 200,000 um, lives could be saved if CPR was performed enough and adequately enough. Um, and they're, um, the British Heart Foundation, they're saying that adding CPR to the curriculum, they're hoping um, will improve the low survival rates of cardiac arrest in their area. My question is, um, if that's something that we should be doing in all of our schools, we have a law in 37 states as well as D.C. um, where there's like hands-on CPR uh, training by the time you graduate high school. And that's mandated, like I said, in 37 states plus Washington, D.C. The question is, like, are we do we think that it should something that should be mandated nationwide? How old do you think is too young, you know, for um, children to do CPR? And then my question is, one, CPR is hard work. I don't know if either one of y'all have done CPR in like real, like real life code, 
that junk, you are sweating, you are tired, it is a lot. And so my concern is like, can kids physically, um, like, can they physically perform CPR adequately in a way that they don't hurt themselves and the person that they're performing CPR on? And then psychologically, like, what if they don't make it? You know, will that kid then internalize, like, that's my, it's my fault. You know, at 12, 13, that, you know, that's, that's a different mindset and a different way of thinking. So are children physically and psychologically ready to, um, at that time, you know, jump into action? It reminds me of a story of um, this little boy. He saw his friend choking in the lunchroom, and he performed the Heimlich maneuver and saved his life. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they were probably like eight or nine. They were really young. I think they were in the first grade. Um, so do we think that CPR should be mandated in all schools across the U.S.? And then what do we think are the potential risks as far as physical or um, psychological harm on children who are taught uh, CPR or that administer CPR and the person that they're administering it to um, if they don't survive? Well, I think that it should be. It, it, it never hurts um, because say if there's no adults around that the person that they're helping has zero chance of survival if no one does anything. Right. Versus some chance of survival or right. survival. Right. Um, and, and I think that's just a part of training the process that sometimes individuals will make it and sometimes they're not. Um, as a therapist, especially, what I see is that we like to sugarcoat a lot of things for our children so mm-hmm. it makes things more traumatic because we don't use real terms like instead of saying someone died we say they passed away or they're with angels versus no someone died and that's a part of life and you know whatever you know they will be in heaven but you know you really use an actual terminology yeah instead of baby talk yeah, well, when I'm in clinic, I definitely say, like, I use, an, like, anatomical terms, and I ask parents not to say things like cookie in my office. Oh, you mean her vagina? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, like, no, it's a vagina, and yeah, it's, it's a vagina. penis, and, uh-huh. you know, we teach them that it's yours. No one should be looking at it. When you're mm-hmm. in the doctor's office and mommy's here, then it's okay for us to check and make sure everything's okay. But other than that, it's yours. It's private. No teacher. But no, it's not a cookie. No, it's not a cookie. It's not. I like and, you know, um, I like it's just like other emergency situations. I remember mm-hmm. my mom got really sick. And honestly, I was so young. I don't know how old I was. But I did know that my grandma said, if someone ever is hurt or you in danger, call 911. And I called 911. And my mom was able to get taken to the hospital. But I was so young, I can't tell Don't you. Don't even remember how old you were. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a, an appropriate age to start teaching kids, like, fire plans and when to call 911 and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I just know the physical work that it takes to do. When I, y'all, when I tell you it is exhausting, like, Donna, didn't you just, you just recertified, didn't you? Yeah, I just did a CPR class. I mean, I'm kind of indifferent about the situation. I feel like that it shouldn't be mandated. I feel like it should be up to the parents. Um, and I feel like if the parents do decide that they should have a conversation with the child 
and let them know like actually what happens during CPR, the complications, the risk factors of CPR, the different outcomes. So for me personally, if I had a child and I probably would um, want them to be CPR certified, but you know, I probably would do the class with them and have real life conversations with them and maybe do like some scenarios and have like plans in place. So I just really think that it's up to the parents. I I will say though that most parents aren't as engaged as you and which especially in your Mm -hmm. field that that's not going to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we just have a bunch of uninformed people Mm -hmm. that was once kids. It's now adults. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to throw this in there. I don't think y'all was doing it right because if you watch The Office it was very always <laughs> uh, oh, alive, and it's gonna be oh, okay. it's definitely not fun. I mean, I've never did CPR like I do, I've done the class, but I've been, um, I've been in a situation where CPR has had to be performed, and I've seen it go down, and it doesn't look fun. It's not pretty. It doesn't look fun. Y'all, like, clothes are exhausting. Like, like, afterwards, no. like, especially when that stuff happened at the beginning of, of your shift, yeah, like, oh, Lord, like, I am so tired. Very tired. Because you, you are literally doing the job of the heart, and you have to go yeah. bones, and bones break. Like, I'm yeah. just thinking, like, you know, we kind of have a saying. Well, but one of the things that we also are taking into consideration is that there's research showing that it's possible. Yeah. So it's not like we're blindly. Yeah, yeah, do for sure. Mm-hmm. I think one of the programs that we, you know, Donna and I have. Practices. Yeah, one of the programs me and Donna have even talked about um, starting is to offer free CPR classes because we need more of that in our community, period. Mm-hmm. We are the high, at the highest rate of risk for heart disease, heart attack, all of that. And if it happened at Thanksgiving dinner, who is about to step up and start CPR? Are we even ready as adults? Are we asking too much of our kids to be ready? And we're not even ready. So it was was definitely really, really interesting to me um, to see. And I I definitely think that um, it's definitely worth the conversation and definitely something that we need to continue to kind of, okay, like we, we really do need you know, more CPR in our community and more resources available um, to people in our community so they can get the education to do it properly. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, it was so deep. new now. So my story is about Chance the Rapper. Um, he recently donated $1 million to improve Chicago's mental health resources. Which I, think is, I think it's very important because I think that nowadays a lot of celebrities, they have these big platforms, but my question is, are you really using your platform in a positive way? Yeah. Um, so Chance, a rapper whose real name is Chance Bennett, um, he donated the $1 million to better... Um, to better the mental health care resources in Chicago. Um, And he shared this at his news at a summit that his organization, Social Work, has hosted. Um, And as we know, there is like a lot of stigma around mental health and African-Americans. And I know like a lot of people in my family is like, oh, you talking to the therapist, oh, you crazy. 
Yeah. Like, I've heard a lot of people that. say that, like, oh, you, oh, you crazy old, you don't need to talk to nobody. Just pray to God. But sometimes it doesn't hurt to prayer talk and to someone and, prayer and, and, and get, yeah, pray your end talking to someone. It doesn't, it doesn't help. It, I'm sorry. It does help. Um, and so he's also, um, agreed to don donate money to six mental health care facilities, um, in Cook County. So he's, they're going to receive some grants, um, which is also, I think that is a great thing too. Um, and also he's launching a new program. I'm not sure if you guys know, but he has his broke program, um, for the youth is, um, in Chicago, it's like an arts program. Um, but now he's going to have a new program that's focused on mental health treatment and it's going to be called state of mind. That's dope. Um, yeah. So that's something that's really awesome. Shout and then, um, he I also opened it up I'm about gonna... him having mental health issues and struggling with it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so I thought that that was very cool as well. Um, and so I think that's dope because I do think we, that we do need a lot of mental health um, resources, especially in the African American community, because yeah. the moment you say you're going to therapy, somebody gonna look at you. Oh, crazy. girl, you crazy! <laughs> you know she crazy. She talking therapy. <laughs> I'm I, serious. I think that comes from too like, being a therapist, and mm -hmm. you know, um, is that we don't really understand what therapy is. Mm -hmm. so it's not going to a something place. Some type of voodoo, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when you go see a therapist, it's not just that I'm ha I'm talking to someone. That's a conversation. I can, you that's what you do with your friend. A therapist mm -hmm. uses research based techniques and interventions. Okay. To help an individual deal with their emotional distress, transitions, or whatever the, the presenting problem is. It's not a mind game. It's not some magic pot it's not a rich craft and so i think that's why people think of it in that way uh because they don't know that it's actually science and training behind it right versus i'm talking to my best friend mm -hmm. that's two different conversations it is it mm -hmm. is it's two different forms of dialogue i should say right i you know what i so, so I my question is though what can we do what are we gonna say Oh, oh, I was just going to say that we, um, Chance the Rapper, Wale, Michelle Williams, mm -hmm. and Lord Jesus, Kanye West, like all of them, I feel like in the last year or so, you know, we're seeing more celebrities be open and honest about, um, their struggles with mental health. And I think that, you know, it's not enough, but it, we're at least making some headway because if it can happen mm -hmm. to Michelle, it can happen to me if it can happen to and i think mm -hmm. i want to say beyonce in her vogue interview talked about struggling with some postpartum depression and so postpartum. Mm -hmm. and so it we're all human beings and i think that um a lot of this mentality of like tiffany said like people think that it, it's witchcraft or that it's like no like like she said it's evidence-based um practice and things to kind of help you work through stuff like there are people who swear like when i tell you one of my good friends she was like child if you don't go get you some therapy because she learned things about herself and her therapist challenged her 
to kind of change her way of like you know change her way of thinking her you know her therapist is like okay so why you know there we're walking through processes instead of like in a conversation where I call Donna like girl let me tell you what happened today it's different because Donna like okay who we running up on instead of <laughs> instead of like pause okay why are you feeling like that I'm feeling like that are you overwhelmed? Yeah. Are you tired? Are you, you know, and we kind of identify things and then we deal with the root cause. And, um, and I really think that we need more of that. And I feel like a lot of the cultural and social issues that we have in our community, if we all kind of just talk to a therapist, we will have, that's why I went into therapy, Charla. I said, I wanted to help my community. And I said, okay, well, the community is looking this way because there's a bunch of sick families. And mm-hmm. I said, well, the family is sick because of the individual. And mm-hmm. so that was how I decided I was going to help my community. Because if I could help one person in the family, right, then I could get a healthy family. And then healthy families build healthy communities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you cannot be emotionally wounded and not bleed on people. Mm-hmm. And the you know substance use and crime is just reflections to me when I look at it even from a sociological standpoint, there are reflections of unresolved trauma that we have accepted the maladaptive versions of, you know, using drugs and gangbanging when all we need is some real therapy and some ways, effective ways that research has taught us how to deal with that. Um, But that's how we attack those things in our communities is by promoting wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have to be supportive of each other, too. And, you know, if you have a friend who's calling and, you know, don't be afraid to tell them, like, hey, sis, maybe you need to talk to someone or get a therapist. Help them, help them, help them to the way. Don't get them a therapist. Just pray about it. Support them and lead them. Help them with some resources. Because you you may need to talk to You can pray with them, Mm -hmm. lead them to some scripture. And then, like, here's a number to my therapist. Give her a call. <laughs> you know, like, and all of that and is. It's a plus for you, too, mm-hmm. because now you don't have to play multiple roles. You could just be her friend. Mm-hmm. Right. And let the therapist do the therapist's job. And right. you can do what the friend needs to do that right. the therapist can't do. You know, right. the therapist can't come and be like, hey, sis, I know you're depressed, but we're we, we going outside today. Yeah. That's what the friend needs I like to do. That. Let yeah. the therapist do the therapy work. Right. And then for people who think that it's not biblical, uh, I don't know about y'all Bible, but my, my, my Bible says it's all good to seek wise counsel. That's, and I'm going to leave that right yeah. there on the altar. There you go. Okay. Go the altar. On the altar. I'll leave it on the altar right there. My on Bible the says ah. wise counsel. I don't know. I don't really know any wiser counsel than somebody who went to school to help counsel me i don't know but okay we're gonna leave it right there right there on the altar <laughs> and all I to like call this clothes uh, all to call is there clothes. you go <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so we're gonna move into our last segment this month on diabetes because we are closing out november um it's been awesome we've talked about tips for caregivers um for diabetes throughout the month um, tips for surviving the holiday season. We talked about um, just make t- making sure that you're being compliant and taking care of yourself. Small wins leading to big time goals and achieving. But today, we're going to talk about a form of diabetes that I don't feel like is talked about um, enough in our community. 
and that is gestational diabetes. So gestational diabetes is um, diabetes that pregnant pregnant women get. So you can, a lot of um, women, they like, oh man, I have to go do my glucose tolerance test where you drink the sugary drink and you're like disgusted because it's disgusting. And yeah, you want to, to, um, but we are making sure that you can tolerate glucose and that you don't get what's called gestational diabetes mellitus or GDM. Um, So basically um, it doesn't cause birth defects. So I think people, people think that like, oh, okay, I have, you know, diabetes while I'm pregnant. Cool. Not cool. Let's talk about it. Um, moms with uncontrolled gestational diabetes or um, GDM moms, as I, as us Nikki nurses call them. So your pancreas is working overtime to produce insulin. Insulin doesn't cross the placenta. So basically the baby has high blood sugar levels. Then the baby's pancreas makes all this extra insulin to try and to get rid of the blood glucose that you've sent through the placenta. And in turn, your baby comes out um, fat, just fat and fat. And everybody thinks that these babies are like, oh, look at that big baby. No, (laughs) it's horrible. As a Nikki nurse, I just give me the 23 weeker because these GDM babies, they are big. And when I say big, I mean 11, 12 pound babies. They, they come out because they've been producing all of this extra insulin. They come out and their blood sugars are low. And I'm talking like in the 20s. So now we got to stick the baby and start an IV. The baby got so many rolls, you can't find no veins. Then you try like, it is such, it is, it is a nightmare, a nursing nightmare. And a nightmare for the parents too and the baby. Um, but I think that the issue is that people don't realize that fat doesn't always mean healthy. <laughs> like when you see a big baby, that doesn't always mean that the baby is healthy. Um, so these babies, they end up having low sugars, they can get stuck. Like, let's say you're doing um, a vaginal birth, they get what's called shoulder dystocia, which basically means that the baby is stuck. And sometimes clavicles break. So your baby now has a broken clavicle because the baby was too big trying to get through the birth canal. And all of this comes from uncontrolled diabetes during pregnancy. And I think that it's something that we need to make women aware of one I've heard of so many women skipping their glucose tolerance test don't why like why yeah it's nasty but you have a whole baby that you need to be worried about let's just do it make sure that you have you know the the glucose levels where we need them to be or if we need to start you on medication so we can do that for the health of you and your baby these babies have like a lot of them end up having like respiratory distress issues their shoulders are getting stuck breaking clavicles we're chasing their sugars and they end up spending days and sometimes weeks in the NICU for something that is preventable she snaps to that so Word to the wise, we want to make sure that we are being aware of gestational diabetes. We want you guys to go and get your glucose tolerance test done. 
if you don't want to get it done, don't get pregnant. Okay. When should they get the glucose um, the glucose tolerance test done? At what? Uh... They do it at like 18 weeks, and then they do it okay. again, like further into the pregnancy. But they do it twice throughout pregnancy. And moms are like, "Oh no, I ain't do that. I skipped that. That stuff nasty, <laughs> baby. It's for your baby." It's not even about yeah, you now. That's ridiculous. It's not even about you no more. <laughs> like, this is for the baby. Then the baby come out 12 pounds. You want to know why you have to get stitch staple and all that in your hoo-ha. Ma'am, if you would have <laughs> came to your appointments and taken better care of yourself. And, and I think that a lot of women have the misconception that when you get pregnant, like, oh, it's time for me to eat everything that I want. Absolutely not. Um, I believe... The last time I read that in pregnancy, like 20 pounds is like the most you should be gaining. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people that get pregnant and they eat all the zuzus and whamwams and they end up gaining all of this weight. And that also affects the baby. Yeah. So we need to make sure, especially with all of the other complications that we have, um, we posted a video recently about how we're, we have like an extra, um, 200, we're 243% we as in black women more likely to have some kind of complication or maternal death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the stuff that we can control, you know, there's a lot, I feel like sometimes we can get kind of focused on what, well, what are they not doing for us? Um, why won't they listen to us? But also we have to take some responsibility. Like what can we do for us? And so making sure that you are being diligent, going to your appointments, you're educating yourself on things like gestational diabetes and the effects that it has on your baby. Um, And it doesn't just stop, you know, once they are born, as um, as they grow up, these kids are also at risk for obesity and they're at a higher risk for diabetes and the moms are at a higher risk for um, developing type 2 diabetes so let's say so most times with gestational diabetes after you deliver the baby the um, your blood sugars will level out and you won't have diabetes anymore but later on in life a lot of those women that have had gestational diabetes in the past they end up developing um, type 2 diabetes as an or later on in life Wow. Yeah. So take that care of yourself. yourself. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Take Eat care right of your while you're pregnant. While you're pregnant. You shouldn't have to say that. But then I also was sitting in rounds and the mom was like, yeah, I, you know, I smoked spice 30 minutes before I gave birth. What? Just whatever. They just be doing whatever out here. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I just am like, what? <laughs> okay. She was like, yep, I did this, this, and that. And, like, right before I gave birth, you know, smoked a little spice. A little spice. A little spice. Okay. <laughs> I cannot. Okay, ma'am. And with that, you know, if you are having a hard time, you know, controlling your sugar or handling your cravings, seek help for that. You know, it's the nutritionist yeah. to help you with your cravings. It's, you know, if you are a mom, you know, just because you get pregnant, doesn't mean you don't have a substance use disorder anymore so therefore you know there's facilities that specialize with women who are 
who have substance use disorders, whether it's cocaine or mm-hmm. alcohol, that they get that extra care during that time because it's not just a self-will thing or even a character defect. It's a disorder. Yeah. And so as you know, that's something to think about too. Um, whether if you whether it's you or a friend of yours that hey, you know, maybe you need some more help in this area. And once again, just being that resource uh, for your friend, let them do, the professionals do that work, you know? Yeah, so that is my, I know I was on my soapbox, but it, gestational diabetes, um, it's a big thing. My mom had gestational diabetes with my youngest sister, and she was like nine pounds. <laughs> <laughs> baby she was like nine pounds but my mom I do remember even me being a teenager my mom was like measuring her food and she really changed we all changed how we ate and I was miserable I was like what is this sugar-free candy <laughs> we were eating graham crackers for snacks I was like this is disgusting <laughs> bring back the Swiss roll <laughs> Oh, girl. As a kid, that I was like, man, this is horrible. But my mom, she was down there. She was measuring her food, and she did what she was supposed to do. So my sister came out like, nine pounds isn't horrible. I had a baby come to me one day, y'all. It was the end of my shift. And when I tell y'all this baby was 13 pounds. And oh, my gosh. The EMS rolled through with that baby. And I said, did y'all stop and get him a McGriddle on the way? Because I don't know <laughs> if we have anything here for him to feed this man. He's hungry. Thirteen pounds. He was rolled like when I say rolled out, like he was. Yeah, and he was there for a long time. He was really sick. And he was there for a long time, and I just don't think that people understand that just because your baby doesn't come out small, your baby can still have complications. And let's not have you know, res- you know, things that we can impact, um, impact our kids, or things that we can change and have somewhat of a control over impact our kids. Yeah. That's why I always like to tell my patients, like, even when I do diabetes education that, you know, yeah, you're, you have, yeah, you're diabetic, yeah, you're taking your medications, yeah, you're checking your blood sugar, but at the same time, are you changing your lifestyle choices? Right. You could be doing all this, taking medications Mm -hmm. all in the world, but if those lifestyle choices aren't there, then it's kind of like everything is working together, and a lot of my patients don't understand that. They eat what they want to eat. Yeah. They don't yeah. look at, they don't count calories. They don't look at labels. They, right. They eat a lot of cake and stuff. And sometimes I, it's like, yeah, I can't be like, okay, you need to stop eating cake because I know that that's just not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So I kind of have to tell them, okay, maybe eat sugar free, something sugar free, or maybe right. instead of eating cake like four times a week, maybe eat it like one time a week or right. whatever. Those small wins. But people have to, yeah, small increments, but people definitely have to be aware of those lifestyle choices yeah. and have to be willing to make that change. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, man. So that's, that's my teaching. That's my spiel. And I feel like this has been a really good month of education um for diabetes and diabetes awareness and just tackling different aspects of it because we always be uh we always we always be y'all I went all the way always be we always my mom oh yeah my mom will have a fit um we always talk about you know exercise and diet but like let's dive into taking care of ourselves and gestational Mm -hmm. diabetes and 
you know, all of that, all of these things impact our community. So I am so glad that we have been able to kind of take a deep dive into diabetes. And if you are wondering what we are talking about next month, we are about to come all the way through with this HIV AIDS it is about education next month. Yeah. Next it's month. about to be snacks. Yes. We all yes. like edges. Edges are about to be snacks. We're talking sex education. We're talking HIV AIDS. We're talking getting stress. tested. We have so many things coming up next month in December. Um, just about our sex and our sexual health. It's going to be fire. I think I'm more excited that my twin sister is going to be coming on yes for December. so i'm super excited about that yes my twin she's my <laughs> i'm an unofficial triplet in the world i'm excited season. though for next month yeah I next month is the thing that i wanted to be an um, international hiv specialist because yeah. like um when i was getting my master's in public health we had to kind of pick like a research um concentration kind of like a special thesis paper and i actually did hiv girl everyone um when i was in the public health program everyone was like uh donna finna do hiv she finna do hiv so i'm excited and i did some interning in the um hiv um department um in tallahassee and did a lot of work with the many faces of aids i'm not sure if you guys know what that is but it's really um dope it's like a mobile um bus and it um goes around to different places and they have these individuals and they're telling their story that's awesome um, regarding mm-hmm. like hiv and yeah. aids and so you get to go in the bus and you get to look at like their stories and i believe like they have like a journal and stuff you can go online and look at it and stuff so it's really really dope that's dope really so dope. yeah we cannot wait for next month and we just have so many things that we are working on behind the scenes um, that we are just so excited to be bringing you guys now and going into 2019. Um, and yeah, man. So let's close out with our health wins. For Yay. The- um, mine is, did you guys see the story about the um, medic that was trained? I think he was a armed forces medic and there was a girl, like a 12 year old girl that was shot at the mall. And he performed CPR and he saved her life. So shout out to him, bruh, for being like ready, on point, And he saved a little girl's life. And I think that that is, that's dope, man. That That's a win. That's that super dope. He was able to use his training and he, like, he saved her life. That's amazing. So shout out to him. That's a health win for me. Um, so I, I had a mental health win. Um... I was pretty stressed this week, um, but I went, woke up early. I don't do early, okay? I don't wake up before 1030, but I woke up at 830, and I went to the pool, did a few laps, and got in a jacuzzi, uh, and did some relaxation in there, and uh, that fueled my day. So I don't think I would have made it through my day without that little self-care. Come on, Plus, man. I put on my diffuser Amen. while I was in session today. So I did some self-care even though it was a hectic day. So I'm proud of myself. Yes. Yes. Um, I think for me, I've been so busy lately and just like on the go, on the go. Definitely with like getting ready to move back to Jacksonville. So I would kind of say my health win is me just getting some rest on Sunday. 
Like when I tell you, I have not had rest and I do not know how long, like I'm always up, I'm always doing something. Sunday, I just lay in the bed. I watched, I did Netflix and chill with the bay. Bye. Yes. And we ordered pizza and we just like laid there and stuff. So that was kind of dope for me. I'm glad I did that because I was definitely refreshed going back to work. On Monday, yes. yes. Um, I got on the scale today and I weighed five pounds less than I did. Yes, um, that's awesome. amazing. Um, and I'm here for it because when I tell y'all I'm about to be snatched in 2019, y'all ain't ready. Claiming it. Y'all ain't ready, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, guys. So thank you again you guys for listening to another your health is lit podcast and we cannot wait to bring that fire next week it's going to be amazing lit lit